Our guest today has dined with Richard Branson, not once, but twice. Well, in fact, not dined, but stayed on his island, been to his wildlife reserve. It, amazing. She has done some fabulous things. What do you have to do to get to meet Richard Branson? And how important is that to your level of success? And how bad is imposter syndrome beating in your ears as you're sitting there with Richard Branson? All this and more coming up on this edition of the Get More Success Show. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Merry. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show, Warwick Merry, your host here. Now, today, I have someone very special on the call. She is a master scuba diver and has some very, very cool pictures on her socials uh, about some of the diving that she does. She's been hanging out with Richard Branson a little bit, as you do, uh, (laughs) on Necker Island and in uh, some of his uh, African safari parks, doing some great work there with um, some of the Virgin Initiative. She's been a judge of the Australian HR Awards. She's been a subject matter expert in the realm of uh, customer experience and in the employee engagement for quite some time. She's just released an amazing study, which we're going to talk about during the course. Please welcome to the show, Kim Sealing-Smith. Thank you, Warwick. Pleased to be here. Hey, uh, I'm going to start with a question I always ask at the very, very beginning, which is how do you define success? Someone who's dined with Sir Richard Branson <laughs> yes. uh, and has traveled the world and lives around the world, has offices here and in Texas and everything, and has seen some of the amazing underwater world. I'm really yeah. interested. How do you define success? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question. And I think that there are multiple definitions of success. I think the traditional definition of success is, is obviously how, um, well, I say obviously, I think the definition of success varies for, for different people. Um, a more traditional definition might be how well known you are in your industry, how much you've accomplished, maybe the money in your bank account. I really define success as the impact that I'm making on the world. And um, that's, that's why I do what I do. That runs through the DNA, my own personal DNA and the DNA of my company. How do I leave a lasting legacy? I don't necessarily want to be rich and famous, although that might be nice, but I want to... <laughs> I'm going to try it out for a while. Just <laughs> Absolutely. Just try it on for size. But I want to leave a lasting legacy. That's how I define success. Right. Now, I've got to ask because there'll be people out there who'll be thinking, what? what? She's been dining with Richard Branson. <laughs> how did you get to meet Richard Branson? And you've spent time with him uh, a, a, on a couple of occasions now. I have. Staying I have. at Necker Island and, and these yes. safari park. Yeah, um, it's interesting because the Virgin Unite initiative is is Sir Richard's uh, philanthropic initiative, and um, they have a an overarching group called the B Team. B stands for business, and the philosophy is that governments won't change the world, businesses will change the world. So they've got five different initiatives underneath the broader B Team initiative. 
One of those is the 100% Human at Work initiative, which is all about humanizing the workplace. So I was referred into the community, the Virgin Unite community, about two years ago, as a matter of fact, um, based on the work that Ignite Global, my company, does in that space, humanizing the workplace, um, helping organizations uh, develop and, and enhance environments where their employees can not only survive but thrive. And so I got the invite about two years ago to hang out with him, but he actually played, um, played second fiddle on that trip because George and Amal Clooney were there. Um, one of the, yes, yes. So one of the, um, one of the other initiatives is, is criminal justice reform. And Amal obviously is uh, a, a human rights lawyer. So she was invited to speak and George came as her plus one. So got to hang out with them on Necker. And then once you're in the community and, and you um, provide value, you keep getting asked back. So yes, I got asked to uh, attend the, um, the connection trip in South Africa on his wildlife reserve, Thank three you. days in Joburg and three days on the wildlife reserve. So it was, it was pretty great. Yeah. That's great. And that's just the power of a male to be having George Clooney as your plus one. Plus one. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Does it, was you just sitting there talking to some of these, you know, very famous, but from what I understand down to earth people Absolutely. just thinking, is this my life? Like here am I, yeah. you know, yeah. just hanging out in these amazing parts of the world with, yeah. The, the celebrities, but also I'm assuming there's some other amazing people oh, sitting amazing. there with you around the table. Absolutely amazing. And proud to say, even though the accent is not from this part of the world, I consider myself an Australian. And I'm proud to say that on the connection trip, the, the Aussies actually outnumbered um, everybody else in the world. There were 15 of us and there were, I think, eight Aussies altogether. So oh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty great. But yes, I, you know, growing up in a in farm country in Wisconsin, this life is not predictable. It wasn't yeah. predictable to move to Sydney, Australia, and to you know to to commute to my clients' offices on the ferry and pass by the opera house. And yes, I never take it for granted. I pinch myself literally every day. Yeah. Hey. Um. So just as a quick side step, a lot of people I speak to, and even though stereotypically it's women, but it is men as well, and I know this for a fact. People suffer from um, imposter syndrome, sort of like, oh, oh yeah. are they going to find out? Is that an issue for you? Is that something that's... Oh, constantly, about- constantly. It's an issue for the human race. Absolutely. Yeah. The nice thing about that is the work that I've done, um, both professionally, but also in personal, the, the personal development work that I've done, I'm about two thirds of the way through a diploma in positive psychology and well-being. I know that that's normal. So I don't yeah. let it stop me. It's just like, ah, you again. Hello, <laughs> old friend. Thank you for sharing. You now let me get on with my life. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose I just wanted to share that because I, I know there'll be listeners out there going, Oh, I, I'd never get it. Oh my yeah. God, I'm gonna. But it's just like let let's be honest. Without putting down it at all, it's like you're another person on the planet, like anyone else. You put your pants Absolutely. on one leg at a time, Absolutely. and you've done some great stuff. And just out of that has led to it. So it's possible for anyone, really. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> but having said that, you are a very smart woman. Um, your book, Mind Reading for Managers. Uh, what sort of impact did that? Because I know so many managers who are either with imposter syndrome or they're like, I just can't get my team to understand me or yeah, I, yeah. I just, I don't, or I can get them to listen or I'll get them to hear, but not listen. Um, so how much of an impact did that book and the research and, and the teachings from that have on, on people? 
Oh, uh, tremendous, quite, quite frankly. This is something that um, I, I actually kind of accidentally fell into the concept. Um, about four or five years ago, I was talking to, in fact, it's a book about conversations because clearly Mind Reading for Managers is a tongue-in-cheek title. There's no crystal balls required. What? Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but it's about how to have the right conversations with your staff about what mattered to them. And it's heavily research-based. It comes from my previous um, role as, a, as an international recruitment consultant. That's how I got to this part of the world. I was transferred by a multi-billion dollar multinational company to, uh, to start the, um, the brand in Auckland. And so I worked as a recruiter for 15 years. And during that time, I interviewed over 5,000 people personally. Mm. And so what I did is I reverse engineered those 5,000 reasons that people were telling me that they were leaving their, their jobs or more, more realistically, their, their managers, because people join organizations, but they leave managers. And that was really the reason that I started Ignite Global almost 10 years ago now, because I wanted, instead of being paid to put bums in seats as a recruiter, I wanted to help organizations keep the right bums in the right seats. So I yep. developed this concept called the currencies of choice model. So this is um, eight key characteristics that every employee needs to be fully motivated and fully engaged. And so I was working with that um, for years, for probably five years. And then I had a client come to me and it's my oldest, longest running client. I'm in their offices every single month for two to three days and have been for seven years. And they came to me and they said, we need to solve three business challenges. And don't even ask me to, rem to remember what those were. But, <laughs> um, but I, I, I took this time of year, as we all know, it's um, slow. January is a slow start in Australia. So I took this time of year and I did some really deep work. And I thought, okay, I've got this currencies of choice model can help with that. But how do we deliver? on the currencies of choice model. And I started doing research and the research was telling me that the key to employee engagement, to motivation, to retention is the connection between manager and direct report. And I believe the connection begins with conversation. And I know having worked as a recruiter and then a consultant for years, I knew that very few managers had the right conversations with their staff about the right things frequently enough and in the right way. So I thought, okay, I need to develop a conversational framework that will deliver on those currencies of choice. And I developed that for that one client. It was amazingly successful in helping them reduce their employee turnover, increase their engagement scores. And then I wrote the book and I rolled it out to multiple organizations. I've had some great success stories, people turning poor performers around using this conversational framework, completely eliminating the hated annual performance review um, <laughs> because it gives this it gives you an alternative to this. I've had a manager of a manufacturing um, plant in Australia's largest seafood producer tell me that this conversational framework helped to um, uh, accomplish the easiest union negotiation that he's ever experienced in 25 years. So it's been really cool. So how does that research, because you've just done a whole lot of research of late to do with customer experience. Employee experience. Employee, sorry, employee yes. experience. Yes. So how does, like, how does that previous research, does it map or it, does it reinforce what you're it saying? It does. And, and what Absolutely. are some of the key findings that's come out of that, that employee experience? 
Absolutely, it does. So, so the way that this came about is a year ago, I was approached by Maxia, the employee benefits company, um, Australia's largest lease innovation and salary packaging company. And they wanted to provide a value add service and some content to their clients that went over and above what they actually did. So they started uh, investigating employee experience because financial well-being is part of that employee experience journey. And Funnily enough, serendipity, the, you know, the, the universe just came together in an amazing coincidence. And at the same time, I was researching employee experience. And the reason that I was researching employee experience is because when I started Ignite Global 10 years ago, the hot topic was employee engagement. Now, we know that employee turnover is too, low, is too high. We know that employee productivity, especially here in Australia, it's a real problem. And companies are losing hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars in lost productivity because their people aren't engaged. So for the last 20 years, employee engagement has been the lever that organizations have used to increase motivation, to increase employee retention, and it hasn't worked. If you look at the stats in Australia, it's been flatlining for the last decade. And last year, it just tracked down a couple of points. So I started researching alternatives to employee engagement, thinking employee engagement is not working. What else is out there? What else? And one of the things that that we pride ourselves in at Ignite Global is taking complex concepts and making them simple and practical. So I started researching employee experience. Maxia contacted me, said, hey, do you want to run a couple of panel discussions on employee experience? And we went, sure, let's do that. (laughs) That turned into let's find out about what Australian organizations are doing in this topic. So the first report, and this will be a first of a series of reports, an annual report. The first report, was, which was issued in September of 2018, was a very organic uh, research report where I did about 20 to 25 insights interviews with organizations who have employee experience functions or are starting to look at employee experience because we wanted to A, do some Australian-based research to figure out what organizations here are doing, B, to find out if this concept actually has legs or if it is indeed um, a flash in the pan, you know, the latest, latest thing that will die. And then we married the insights interviews with an online survey. And I was really pleasantly surprised that we got over 600 responses to that. And, you know, I don't know if you, you do a lot of surveys, but that's a lot, especially for a first survey. So we amalgamated that research and the, the report, which I'm really quite proud of uh, goes through really kind of an overview of employee experience, why it is a topic that's actually here to stay, what organizations are doing, and present, prevent, presents um, a few little case studies. So what's interesting uh, about that and how that maps back to the conversational framework and the, the 5,000 exit interviews and the connection between manager and direct report is that what we found is that organizations, 95% of the organizations are doing employee opinion surveys or employee engagement surveys, but very few companies are actioning those surveys. And that's the key. And it's because, um, you know, some of the, the, the action points cost money. Mm. If you, if you look at employee experience, one of the things that I love about that concept is that it doesn't have to cost money because all you're doing is you're looking at what you already do through the lens of the employee. So it's just shifting your paradigm 
No, I can so see you have another question. What, yeah, what are some of the things, um, so I, I get the research is good and we know employee engagement's important and people measure it and do nothing with it. Right. So what have been some of the things that you've found, some, some of the easy things that organizations, right. and even, because yeah. like, I'm, I'm expecting this is going to apply to huge, big corporate organizations, but also to small business who might have two, it three, four employees terrible. or, you know, and, Absolutely. and and my understanding is the research has shown is money is nice, but a lot of people will happily take less money if there's other things. Without so a doubt. And, that, do? and, and that's those eight currencies of choice. And, and when I was a recruiter, I recognized, I saw every day that money is not the driving force. Mm. Money is the excuse. People will leave a job saying that they're going after more money and they may well get more money when they leave a job, but it's something in those eight currencies of choice, those, that that circle of eight things that came from the 5,000 exit interviews that prompts them to look in the first place. Right. So the easy, easy things that you can do from an employee experience perspective, first of all, the research overwhelmingly said that the two top two things that, that organizations can do is to look at the shape of the role. What are they actually doing? What are they contributing to the company and how does what they're contributing to the company help the company actually accomplish its goals? And I'm not talking about profit or um, a top line turnover. I'm talking about the, the impact that it makes on the community and the customer. So there is a direct link between employee experience and customer experience. So the shape of the role, um, and the second thing is that connection between manager and direct report. So that research married up with the research that I did to write the book, which is where the, the overlap is. Um, but a, a cup, so what, what I'm actually encouraging my clients and others to do is to just Again, put on that lens of employee experience. Look at, first of all, your manager capability. If you're an employee working for specific managers, how does that experience make you feel? So are you having regular conversations with your manager about things other than business as usual? topics? Are, is the manager talking to you about your career, about your motivations? How, is the manager respectful of you? Um, so looking at the manager capability, the other thing that a lot of organizations are doing, which costs no money at all, is just looking at how they're presenting initiatives or new policies. So back in the, you know, up until very recently, most policies, in fact, most policies still are written from a perspective of how it benefits the organization, not the employee. KPMG, great case study in our, in our report. One of the things that they did, just one of the pieces of low-hanging fruit, is saying every time we update an employee uh, and, uh, a policy, we're going to write it from the perspective of why it benefits the employee, and we're going to roll out the communications in that. And as a result of that, they have noticed an uptick in people adopting these new policies. Okay. Or if they have a new software system, there's actually an increased usage that they're seeing. So there are really simple things that organizations can do that don't have to cost a lot of money, if any. So it sounds like it's really, uh, as you're saying before, going back to the employee's perspective and going, what's in it for me? And which is essentially sales 101. So we're selling our ourselves and our services. Always. So it's like, where do you fit into the vision for the organization? Always. What ideas have you got to contribute? So the job is not being done to you, but 
it's being done with you kind of Absolutely. stuff. So it really is that inclusiveness and this is a place I belong versus I'm just a drone worker in sector seven. That's it. That's exactly right. And now you can see why the 100% human initiative is so aligned with the DNA of my company. So it all, you know, it all kind of forms that that circle. But, you know, we're, we're in it. We are in unprecedented times because the Australian Bureau of Statistics came out in November and said we have more open roles in Australia than ever in recorded history. Um, our unemployment rate is down, but not down. Uh, to the point where it actually reflects that because there are more people coming into the coming into the workforce so it's it's just absolutely fascinating so companies have to recognize that they have to treat their employees differently otherwise literally they will be turning out the lights in the next decade because between the aging workforce and the disruption caused by technology i'm i'm developing a simulation for a client of mine to help teach managers how to integrate AI into the workflow and decide what human skills are needed, how they'll incorporate the AI, and how to manage the humans right along with the AI. <laughs> I mean, the robots aren't coming. They're here. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's amazing, the times we're I, living. I just want to go back to the jobs thing you were just talking about. Um, a lot of recruiters and when I was working corporate, it was my experience where what they wanted is someone who could already do that job or already did that job. So they had the skill sets and they're basically just picking them up from one company and plopping them into another. Mm -hmm. So what mm -hmm. you're saying is there is not going to be the people out there. No, that's exactly that. right. So when, when people are looking for a new job or if they are looking to, to try something different or, you know, have a, a, a life change, what is it they need if it's not the job skills? So this is, this again, fascinating. So if you look at the stats, um, we have, because of the disruption that technology is causing and the globalized market, we have a, um, we have more jobs than candidates to fill them. That is absolutely true. But we also have candidates or people who are currently in the workforce or looking for work whose skills don't match the roles that are needed because of the implementation of this technology. So a huge opportunity that organizations are just starting to wake up to is to take people on the journey. And so instead of, like you said, for 250 years, we have been hiring for skills and experience, and we have re been redeploying people for skills and experience. Those skills aren't out there because our roles are changing so quickly. So what we have to do is shift that paradigm and hire instead for attitude and aptitude. Now, we've been giving lip service for hiring up to, for attitude and aptitude for years, decades, but very few companies actually do that because very few companies know how to do that. Yeah. And it's not Oh, it's not difficult. Um, what's difficult is changing that paradigm, making that decision that you're not going to look at skills and experience, that you're going to take the time to unpack the attitude and aptitude that you need and then hire for that. Yeah. That's the difficult part. And then, yeah, because it seems like a lot of companies go, I like the idea of attitude, but then I've got to train them for the skills and that'll take exactly. time and money. Time and money. And yes. oh my. And that's, and that's yeah. it. It's the whole, I've always loved the adage that, you know, it's, they take a long time to hire and be really quick to fire. So it yep. is really about getting the right person. So you Absolutely. train them up and then they become part of the team. 
Kim, we're out of time. I could, uh, it's been a great sort of conversation chatting with you. If people want to find out more, because I'm, I'm, we connected over LinkedIn and I've seen of late you've been putting some of the research and the diagrams yes. regarding this stuff. So there's some great stuff there. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch? The easiest way is just to email me directly and that's simply kim at igniteglobal.com. Excellent. Kim, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a joy chatting with you. Thank you, Warwick. I've had great fun. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success.